Some of you may have heard this thing. We've, said, we've talked about being red-letter disciples. Do you know why we said that? Does anybody know? Can anybody say red-letter disciples? Simon? There you go. Some Bibles have red letters for every word that J- Jesus speaks. Now, coming from good brethren background, uh, I was told you were red-letter Bibles were very bad, okay? Because the whole of the Bible is God's truth. We believe that. We believe that very firmly. We're often described as evangelical. We believe the good news and we believe the whole of the good news. So we believe in the Bible. We believe it's from God. But it is quite exciting and it's quite interesting. So there are some Bibles that have every word that Jesus spoke in red letters. And the thing about that, it's really more of an idea that what we're saying is... Jesus said some things to his disciples and he, and, he, and he led his disciples in things and it's the same for us. It's the same for us. Even though it's now 2,000 years uh, later, it's the same for us. Because we believe, as Jesus said himself, some, you can find it in red letters in some Bibles, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, God the Father, except that they come through me. Now, it's a very stark statement. And in our culture today, in our society today, to say something so bold, so clearly, causes a line. It causes a line. There is a line to be crossed. I put my faith, I trust. Jesus said, I am the way, and I say, yes. And I follow the way. In fact, the first Christians were known as people of the way. Christ's once. So the the words of Jesus in red. So we're talking about being red-letter disciples. What did Jesus say? And Ashley, the last couple of weeks, has just superbly started us off. And uh, if you haven't been able to be here, you can go on to our YouTube page, the Apex Church uh, on YouTube, and you can find, I encourage you to listen to Ashley's first two talk, talks. But I just want to highlight a couple of things, because Ashley started off by saying, the start matters. Where you start matters. And in terms of the Christian faith, where you start matters. And he said to us, which boat are you in? Because there are a few boats, there are a few options. There are even some out there who would say, well, this is Christian, that's Christian. And you start to get in a boat and you go, hang on a minute, is this Jesus' boat? Is this Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Is this his boat? So the start matters. And Jesus invited them to get in the boat with him. And uh, even a couple of weeks ago, people were stepping in and saying, yes, I'm going to get in the boat with Jesus. I don't understand it all. I haven't got all my questions answered. Um, But the question is, who are you following? Who are you following? Because disciples are followers. And also, we're encouraging others to follow. But not to follow us. You remember Ashley said, not to follow us. That's the difference between uh, all of the Greek philosophy of Jesus' time. It wasn't about, here am I, I've got something to say, come follow me. No, we're following Jesus. And for the last 2,000 years, we've been inviting others not to follow us, but to follow Jesus. And uh, he's saying amen to his own points down here, so that's good. (laughs) 
they, they were your points. But I just was so wonderful, wasn't it? What he was, and I just want to keep reminding us. But he said something else that stuck with me. Not all those who follow are disciples. The thing about followers is that you can follow from a distance. You can watch. You can even be entertained. But disciples are more than just followers. And just to bring another one of his points, which came from the second week, what he was saying to us is, disciples are not beach dwellers. All right? In other words, they're not just sitting on the beach listening to the words of Jesus and, oh, look, he's going to another beach. We'll just sit, we'll have our Coca-Cola, whatever, and we'll just, we'll just follow a bit. But there's something distinct about a disciple. They're not beach dwellers. They are in the boat with Jesus. They get in the boat with him. Being a disciple is an active thing. A disciple responds, responds to the teaching and the example of the master. And that response brings about, requires change. Change happens, transformation even. There's a change in life. I remember hearing someone who became a follower of Jesus uh, in the previous church I was involved in because there was such a dramatic change in someone who was close to them. The person that they knew had a very different lifestyle. The way they spoke, what they did with their money, the attitudes that they had towards others, and they met with Jesus. They got in the boat with Jesus. They were no longer just a spectator. They were a disciple. And change, transformation. And I remember this person saying, I couldn't get over the transformation in their life. I needed to find out for myself. A disciple Someone who changed it and actually said to us, and it's challenging again in our culture and society, is someone who's obedient. Not a popular word to be obedient. But surrendering my ways to another. You see, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Very often, we, we, we'll talk about Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. And, and that's absolutely right, and we love that. But let's get used to regularly saying, the Lord Jesus. Why? Because it's helpful in our thinking. He is the Lord Jesus. He is, we're under new management, under new government. He is the Lord Jesus. Now, it can be a real challenge to get into the boat we can feel like everything's against us. And even when we do take that decision and that choice, we can find others that go, laugh at us or say, what on earth are you doing following this Lord? But we've made a choice. We've put our faith. We've leaned upon him, trusting that he died, trusting that he rose again, and trusting that he's leading me into eternal life. But that can be a battle can feel like everything against us. But again, just to quote Ashley, just wonderful the phrases that he says. Obedience always leads to revelation. I love that phrase. That as they were obedient, as they followed the Lord Jesus, there were moments when they went, <gasps> literally. If you read the story after his resurrection of uh, <clears throat> Jesus meeting with his disciples, he said, <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. He says to Thomas, look, 
Thomas, doubting Thomas, I, I'm not sure about all this. He says, Thomas, come. Come and see. Come and look at my hands. Come and, come and see this wound in my side. And the literal uh, translation, I'm, I'm told, it's literally, Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. Revelation. Obedience. Oh, revelation comes. Thanks, Abby. That's wonderful. Now, one of the things I want to just highlight just for a couple of moments today is it's vital that we are not called to do this on our own. Hallelujah. That's why it's just lovely to greet and meet each other today. And some of you are finding your way back amongst us now after all the weird and craziness of the last couple of years. But we're not called to do this on our own. There's a wonderful couple of sentences I want to read to you. Oh, phew, Mark's opening the Bible after all of it. All right. I love Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. This is Mark. Uh, Mark's gospel in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. Wonderful couple of phrases. We could stay just here today, but I've got some other things I want to mention. Jesus went up, uh, verse 13 of Mark 3, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. There's lots just even there. He appointed 12 apostles Here's a wonderful phrase, that they might be with him. That they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. This is not a club we're joining. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of heaven. One that has authority and power. And it has authority and power to drive out that which is not of God, which is not of light and not of life. That they might be with him. We have called to be together and to be with the Lord. To be with him. Disciples are made in community. Disciples are made in community. My points are not as powerful as Ashley's, but anyway... (laughs) it's a personal joke it's alright disciples are made in community we need each other we need each other I never forget the first time that it began to dawn on me that we see and know and experience Jesus in each other that the way Different ones of us begin to react in our marriages, in our workplaces, at the school gate, across our neighborhood fences, is a display, it's a demonstration of Jesus. How will people see Jesus? Through us. And actually, we see Jesus in each other. When I was able to tell Colette and Andy sitting at that uh, coffee table after their house has been destroyed by fire at Elberston, many of you know about that, and I was able to tell them that £5,000 has just been instantaneously given. In fact, it's 5750 5, now, and we've passed it on to them. 
And they literally, they were speechless. Disciples are made in community. God is our Father. Jesus is the head of the body. And the Holy Spirit walking alongside us, revealing truth. In fact, the Holy Spirit is within us, the Bible says. Revealing truth to us. Binding us together, drawing us together, reminding us that we are accepted and that we can accept one another. If Christ has accepted us, if the Lord Jesus has accepted us, we can accept one another. And we know, many of us know, we know what we're really like on the inside. He has accepted us. And so we are able to accept one another, reach out to one another. Disciples are made in community. So, one of the things, just to very quickly, this is, you'll say, Mark, this sounds like a glorified notice. It sort of is. I'm just talking about where we're at as a life as a church, and we're coming back together very much at the moment. So, on Wednesday evening, we're just wanting to share a bit more of an emphasis on what we feel God is saying to us at the moment as a church. So it's an emphasis. It's not massive change, really, from where we have been going, but an emphasis on being a discipling community. Being disciples, making disciples, helping one another to be disciples. And so I want to encourage you, come and hear more. We want to talk about how's that going to work together. Rather than just being spectators with one person who does the stuff and we sit there and listen, actually, how can we build one another together? How can we encourage one another? How can we strengthen one another? So please come on Wednesday evening if you're able to, particularly if you've ever led one of our community life groups or you've done that in another church, or particularly if you've got a heart at the moment to build community, build uh, make, grow disciples of Jesus Christ. Love you to come on Wednesday evening if you're able to be here. There'll be a cup of tea available, coffee at 7.30. We'll share some more about that. But we feel God is leading us. We've got some lessons to learn as we go. Isolation is always dangerous. Isolation is always dangerous. Getting out on a limb you get isolated, you listen to wrong thoughts, wrong voices, it's dangerous. But I also recognize that we have to work hard to go towards one another. Because in church context, in any context, in life, people are different to me. They're different. We're different to each other. And so we, we ask God, we ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we go towards one another. I had the privilege uh, this week of going up to London. The first time I've been on a train for two and a half years. It was very strange. Um, but I, I went up to London just for a 24-hour overnight to gather with a number of other leaders from across uh, the, uh, the UK in our family of churches that we're part of. Um, and it really was a time to build, strengthen, and encourage each other. And it was a very precious Time, very special time. There was, there could have been about 33 churches represented. I think there was about 28 or 29 of us there. 
But we were saying and recognizing that particularly in these last years, it's easy to get isolated and out on a limb. It's easy. And even now, as things are getting a bit busier and life is opening up again, we start to get a bit of a focus and locked in and we can find ourselves doing our thing and forgetting that we've been called to a worldwide mission. To forget that, that actually God has called us to be a people together. And so we were, we were talking about this and recognizing that it's dangerous being on a, out on a limb. It's one of the reasons why uh, God in his goodness brought uh, Martin Garrett and myself together way back in the heart of lockdown in 2020. Somebody just mentioned to me that Martin, who at the time was a headmaster of a very large uh, uh, school in Littlehampton, was planting a church in Littlehampton, and he was on his own. He was out on a limb. And I just went towards him, and we began to grow in friendship. We shared the realities of life together and prayed for one another, and, and we've continued to do that. And that's we recognize, as we were talking this week, we need to do that amongst the churches. We've got to share life together. And so we were saying, how can we uh, make sure that we encourage each other? And so we, we were saying that there are going to be moments where we're going to share the pulpit. Uh, I might go somewhere else. Someone might come here. I might get on the phone or we might do a Zoom just talking things through, having, uh, visiting one another, building one another, strengthening one another. Um, and so it's just as part of that, here's another little notice just to mention. So it was great to chat with Martin and also with Joel from Worthing. Um, and the plans that we have to get together, to gather to God and gather to each other over the August Bank Holiday. And I know some of you know about this and have been signing up, but the 26th, the 29th of August, um, we're going to have some fun together. It's going to be very relaxed. But we're also going to build and strengthen our relationships together, um, particularly as South Coast churches. Um, if you want to know more, it's in our weekly news sheet. If you haven't got the weekly news, you can go onto our website and just sign up to that. But I think six or seven households now amongst us have signed up already. Um, and I'm sure there'll be others who can come. Even if you just come for the day, it's going to be over in Sussex. But it's so important that we don't just do our own thing, that we gather together, that we build and strengthen one another because we, we see Jesus in each other. Disciples made in community. And one of the most powerful pictures of this is around this meal table which we're going to come to now. So I wonder if a couple of brave people, men or women, I don't mind, would be happy to come and pick up the table. Somebody help Mike pick up the table there. Malcolm, why don't we make a bit more space here at the front? Is that all right? One of the... Hopefully it won't collapse. <laughs> oh, I like it when a visitor is brave. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know your name. John? You're welcome, John. <laughs> That's it. Let's just stick it there. That's wonderful. We could, have, we could have one cup, but we've got many cups. 
but it's, uh, it's come from one box of grape juice, okay, so, uh, and it's come from one loaf of bread. We're just being sensitive um, uh, in terms of health and uh, looking after each other, so there's, there's juice and there's bread in each of these. Some of you will know lots and lots about communion. To some of you, communion, the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread, will be a, a very new thing, a very different thing. But having meals is very much in the New Testament. Jesus had meals. If you, if you go dig into the New Testament, you'll find time and time again, he's having meals with people. And actually, he's having meals with people that other people don't want to have meals with. And he gets you know, accused of, of having meals with people that, why are you having a meal with them? Because God is love. And Jesus is demonstrating his love, having meals with people. And one of the things that uh, we want to keep doing is having meals together as a body. So our next one will be on the April the 3rd. We'll be having a meal after church on April the 3rd. But I want to encourage one of the things we'll be saying to our, our, our life groups, our community life groups, as we, as we meet again in the weeks to come. I want to encourage you, we want to encourage you, have meals together. Look for opportunities to have meals together. Because they are they're transforming times, they're sharing times, they're heart times, eating together. Have meals together. And at the very heart, of course, of Jesus' life with his disciples was this meal. And one that he charged them to keep. Charged them to keep. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. As they were eating, I want to stop there for a moment. What were they eating? Why were they eating? It was the Passover. Because of sin and death had entered the world through Adam and Eve that we heard about earlier on, there was a separation between Almighty Creator God and His creation. Adam and Eve were banished, we know that, from the garden. The holiness, the perfect perfection that God had created His creation to have with Him had been broken and shattered. And even in that wonderful story that, um, that Chris was talking to us about, they had this shame. Why, why have you hidden? Because they realized they were naked. What did God do? He gave them clothing. How did he give them clothing? He had to kill an animal. Blood was shed so that skins could be produced, that Adam and Eve could be covered. Now, there's a huge story all the way through the Old Testament, but what you find all the way through the Old Testament is this picture of blood being shed. That rather than the human being, the creation dying, something else has to die. And so animals are dying. There's a sacrificial system. Animals are a picture. As they die, their blood is a picture Death being the punishment for sin. Rebellion against God. Separation from God. And only a price has to be paid. And so you come all the way to the story of Moses. And you come to this picture of the people. And they are trying to flee from Egypt. 
And ultimately the day comes when God says, get ready. Your release is about to happen. You're going to be set free to go, to cross over into all of my promises. But before you do that, you need to come and shelter under the blood. And so an animal has to die. The lamb dies. And they put the blood on the doorframe of the houses in which they are sheltering. And as the angel of death passes over, they are sheltering under the blood. There's a Passover. And Jesus is sharing this remembrance meal with his disciples. They're remembering that God's salvation, God has saved them. He's rescued them. That that they've been passed over and they've been brought from death into life because they sheltered under the blood. Let's continue to read Matthew 26. As they were eating this Passover meal, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. He gave thanks for it. He broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and gave it to them and said, Eat and drink from it, each of you. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant, this new agreement. There is now this new agreement. You've passed from death to life, that there is a new agreement, a new covenant between God and his people. My blood is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now, in other places, at times, it says the disciples didn't really understand what was going on, but afterwards, they did understand. Because this is before Jesus has died. He's about to go to the cross. They're (coughs) celebrating the Passover meal. They're learning as disciples. In Luke's version of this story, Jesus says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. And then another disciple or a man who became a disciple, a follower, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he says this, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. Jesus is coming back. Excuse me, church. Jesus is coming back. Even that was a bit tame, but anyway. But until he comes again, until he comes again, we're remembering, we're remembering, we're remembering. Discipling communities always remember and always proclaim the Lord's death. Discipling communities will always remember and always proclaim. And so, after his death, at the birth of the first church, what do you find? You read in Acts chapter 2, they devoted, committed, intentionally committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to getting together, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were committed to it. 
They're a discipling community. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. What did they do? They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. When was the last time you broke bread in your home? It's a challenge, isn't it? You think, oh, I haven't done that for a while. How about out in a restaurant with other believers, those who love the Lord Jesus? I've done it from time to time. It does feel a bit weird, but actually just there's a, here, there's a bread roll. We believe Jesus died and rose again. Let's break bread together for a moment. So I've done it in a restaurant. You break bread, not very often. And then we, we remember, we remember Life groups, prayer meetings. Let's be those who break bread. Let's be those who remember and proclaim. Amen? Red letter disciples. Do this in remembrance of me. So, in just a moment, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to share this meal in that sense. It's a, it's a symbol, it's a token. We don't believe that literally this is Jesus' blood and body. It's not what we believe that the Bible teaches. But what we do believe is that this is a serious moment of remembrance. This is a point of decision. There is a, there is a line to be crossed. There is a boat to step into. So I'm just going to ask Greg, for a, just for a moment, just to invite us and help us towards a communion. He's a good Anglican, so he's absolutely thrilled that we've brought the table to the front, so that's, uh, that's good. But, uh, Greg, just lead us into communion, that would be really good. Yes, yeah, we're going to come back into worship. To come up now, so, uh, if our musicians will come back up. Um, so you guys, is it okay if we have, you have communion at the end? Is that, is that good? Um, because it's good to do this as part of our worship. Sometimes we, um, we, we do it as a, uh, at the end of an end, sometimes even on, on the way out. But uh, Mark and I were talking, just thought it would be good to, as a response to the word of God preached, um, to, to respond as part of our worship in conclusion uh, to our time here today by uh, taking the bread and, and, uh, and the wine. So... Um, uh, this morning, just, to, just to, so we can uh, think, think about this, I, uh, I grabbed this off the wall, um, which is a, a B, and uh, some of you will know I've shared my testimony here before, about how I became a Christian when I was an 11-year-old bo- boy, and I was looking at some Bs, and a phrase popped into my head, sin stings, but Jesus can take away the sting. And um, if you, I Google that this morning, and if you Google that, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 57 comes up, because it's so near a paraphrase. And 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 56 to 57, it's, uh, uh, it's, the, it's, it's the gospel in a in nutshell form. It simply says, the sting of sin is death, that's the bad news, uh, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel's bad news before good news. And um, the, the um, so what I felt that was the Lord speaking to me as an 11-year-old boy was the heart of the gospel. And communion is, is the gospel enacted. It's the gospel enacted. It's the heart of the gospel. We remember, just as Mark has expounded, 
uh, we remember that uh, Christ has died, that central event in history, but Christ is risen, uh, but also we look forward to that Christ will come again. And so I'm going to uh, say a, a prayer of thanksgiving now, the fourfold action of Jesus that Mark has remem- reminded us of in the Gospels. Jesus took bread, he broke it, he blessed it, and he gave it. So I'm going to do those actions uh, and s- say um, uh, the, the words of commemoration that Paul reminds us in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians um, 11, uh, verses 23 to 26. And, uh, and then we're going to uh, we're going to invite our musicians to play for us, and we're going to come forward to take communion. So what I invite us to do is uh, come forward, and uh, there's, there's some cups here, some with bread in, some with wine in, uh, uh, with juice, sorry, ju- uh, ju- uh, juice in, thanks Mark, uh, some with juice in. C- come forward and take uh, for your little family group uh, one of each. Uh, so it's good, to, let's, let's just come forward to receive, take the bread uh, and the, the juice, symbolizing the wine, and it, it will be good to give communion to one another. He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. So we receive. So rather than taking it yourself, um, give communion in your, in your family groups. If you're, if you're on your own, um, bolt yourself on to one of those uh, family groups because the church is the family of God, of course. And, um, but what, what I'm going to say as well is I'm going to stand at the front. And if anyone perhaps uh, would like to receive communion for the first time and then in doing so say that they want to receive Jesus Christ, then come to me and I'll... I'll give you, slightly Anglican style, I'll give you the bread uh, and then give you, uh, give you the wine. So, uh, uh, and you can, you can and, and what I'd, what I'd um, suggest you, if you come forward, uh, you simply um, uh, receive the bread and receive the wine. And as you do so, simply say, Jesus, I turn to you, take away the sting. Because that's the essence of what it means to become a Christian, to simply turn away from that all that is wrong, what the Bible calls sin, and turn to God as God has made himself known to us in Jesus Christ. So is that is that um, is that uh, clear then? So I'll uh, uh, do come forward, receive, t- t- take the, the bread and the juice, symbolising the wine. Take it to your family groups, and I'll be stood here at the side. And if you'd like to come forward, perhaps to for the, perhaps for the first time, uh, to uh, as indication that you want to be a follower of Jesus, you want to be a disciple, a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. Then come to me, and uh, I'll give you the bread and the wine, and just say a quick prayer for you if I may. So let's uh, um, recall then those words of the Apostle Paul uh, penned to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 uh, to 26. And it's interesting, he begins it with the Lord Jesus. Mark said we should get used to saying it. It says the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, which is what Mark says. It's, it's a title. Jesus, in fact, Jesus' Lord is the earliest creed of the church. Uh, not, you know, the Constantinople, the Nicene, all those things. Jesus is Lord is the earliest church, creed of the church. And, uh, and Paul says, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. So let's remember then, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his um, followers, his disciples, saying, uh, this is my body which is broken for each of you. Uh, do this to remember me. And we're told... The Lord Jesus, uh, when supper was over, he took the cup of wine and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the eternal covenant, the promise that cannot be broken. Do this as often as you drink it together to remember me. And so, Lord Jesus, um, in obedience to your command, we take this bread and we take this wine 
And we pray, Lord Jesus, it will become everything you intended it to be. The church has argued for uh, thousands of years what it means. Well, let's just pray that. That will cover it, won't it? We, look, we pray, Lord Jesus, this will become everything you intended it to be. And Lord Jesus, as we receive this, whether it's for the hundredth time or whether this is for the first time, uh, may uh, we feed on you in our hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. And may you come into our hearts afresh in the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be equipped to follow you as radical disciples. So send your Holy Spirit on your people, uh, we pray, as we worship you now in, in response to the word preached, uh, Lord, uh, that you might draw close to us as we choose uh, to draw close uh, to you. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. say is as we it might be good to stand because it'll give a bit more wriggle, wriggle room um just to say if you say i'm not sure yet if i'm a follower of jesus i'm learning i'm listening i'm watching you're so welcome here so welcome but just to say this meal is not for you but today is the day when you can choose and say yes i am going to make a choice i'm going to follow jesus i've got questions i want to ask about but I want to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You're so welcome to come and take this meal. But there is a point of decision uh, for each of us to take. So uh, let's stand together um, and then do feel free to serve one another. If you've got mobility issues, please, please come and take enough for, for each other. Um, and we've got time and these guys are going to lead us in worship as we share communion together. If you're doing it for the first time, come and speak to Greg about that.